about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, this will be the final week once here. It's still just a little glory for some reason. I got that uh, deep recovering bass voice tonight, so it's probably too loud. <laughs> All right, this will be the final week of the Word of the Kingdom of God. So take your Bibles tonight. Go to James chapter 1. Father, I thank you for another opportunity to share your word. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our minds, that you're lining us up with your ways and your thoughts. Father, we want to fulfill the purpose that you put each one of us here to do. We thank you for revealing that to us by your spirit and by your word. We thank you for the joy that you've placed in our heart that no man can take from us. Tonight, I just give you praise for what you're going to do once again in our hearts and minds and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, James chapter 1, look at verse 6. Tonight we're going to talk about the greatest battle that you fight with the Word of God. As you start to learn the Word of God, you start to act on the Word of God, there is a battle that you go through on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to use the Word in those situations in order to come out victorious, because the natural realm is so much different than the spiritual realm, and God's ways are so much different than the world's ways. So James chapter 1, look at verse 6. It says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in what? All his ways. So here he's talking about an unstable person, an unstable man. Who is an unstable person? It is a person who has been born again. They have the recreated spirit and God's nature on the inside of them, but their mind has never been renewed to what the Word of God says. Therefore, there's no fellowship between the recreated spirit or the you on the inside of you and the mind that is in contact with the natural things of the world. In other words, you're basically in an argument between you and your thoughts and imaginations in the natural realm. People have never learned to trust God's word rather than the sense world of sight, smell, taste, and hear. They believe the word one minute, then they believe what they see and what they feel the next minute. A lot of times the word of God will overdo what you see and what you feel. In other words, you have to put the word of God first place in every situation and everything in your life. Whatever the word has told you to do, you must do. And the more that you do that, the more it will renew your mind to do that every single time as almost a natural, supernatural way of doing things. It's just the way that you'll start to do things rather than have to try to do them all the time because of the difference between the natural realm and the word of God that you read. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings or gifts in heavenly places in Christ. Here it tells you that God has blessed you with how many? All, all spiritual blessings or gifts in heavenly places. Here the believer is blessed with every spiritual blessing according to the word of God, which means you have the wisdom of God, you have the divine ability of God, you have the strength, you have love, you have everything else that you need. But as you're born again and you get into the word of God as a baby in Christ, you have trouble trusting what the word says. I found even in my own ministry, I can preach to the believer what they should be and people are all excited about it. I can preach to them what they can be someday, they get all excited. But when I tell them what they are now, there seems to be a fallout to believe what they actually are right now. Because everything Jesus provided for us is already ours. The problem is our mind doesn't agree with that because our mind has never been trained to line up with the Word of God. So basically when you hear that you're healed, how many know that your mind wants to argue with you being healed, especially if there's pain in your body? If you're not feeling very good, it's hard for you to believe that you're healed. Why is that? Because the senses rule over you and have ruled over you for a very long time. So you can preach that God's going to heal you sometime and they'll say, Amen, glory to God. You preach that God can heal you. Thank you, Jesus. But when you preach to them, they are healed. 
people get upset. Why is that? Because they don't think they're healed. They don't believe they're healed because they don't feel healed. And if they don't feel healed, then you're out there someplace and they just can't understand who you are and what's going on. But the Bible here does not say you will be blessed with every spiritual blessing. It does not say someday down the line you will be blessed. It says you already are blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is. The unrenewed mind is always fighting unbelief. Unrenewed mind is always praying for faith but never arriving. It is always talking unbelief but claiming to have faith in every area of its life. It confesses failure but at the same time confesses that the word is true but denies the word in action. It's basically your whole life trying to believe what is yours which is already yours. In other words, when I first got born again, I prayed for wisdom all the time. Why did I pray for wisdom? Because I wanted wisdom. I liked wisdom. I needed wisdom. But then I found out in the Bible that I already had wisdom. So when I already had wisdom, there was no sense praying for something I already had. I just thanked God when time came that I needed wisdom. I thanked him for the wisdom that I already had, and the wisdom of God went to work in my life. Are you following me? See, it comes by agreement with what God's already said in his word. That's what releases the anointing of God and the spirit of God on the inside of you. So pretty soon I had to believe that I was anointed. I have the wisdom of God. I have every spiritual gift. I am healed. I am anointed. I have all these things. And when I started to do that, they all became active in my life. Until that time, I prayed to get those things. And as long as I prayed to get those things, my prayer wasn't answered because I already had those things. Are you following me? I mean, go to, just go to a different church and go to a prayer meeting. Listen to what they pray. Oh, Lord, give us wisdom. Oh, Lord, please heal us. Oh, Lord, please deliver us. Oh, Lord, please. And all these things in the Bible have already been done. He's already healed you, already delivered you, already did these things. So they're praying actually unbelief because they're asking God to do something he already did. I read a book one time that says Jesus doesn't have to go to the cross again. And I said, that's a good book because everybody's trying to get him to go back to the cross and provide for them everything that he already went to the cross and provided for them. And when they don't have it, they want to blame Jesus who had nothing to do with it. He's already done it. So through the word of God, by being in the word of God, keeping my mouth aligned with the word, I'm lining up my mind to a place to where I'm agreeing with the word of God of what I have and what belongs to me. And I'm not influenced by the natural realm. How many of you are all influenced by the natural realm? Hallelujah. All right, go to John 20. This is one of the best stories right here that I ever found when it comes to walking in the kingdom and walking by faith. And so I've spent a lot of time in this scripture, meditating this scripture, applying it to my life to help me not to be the same way as this scripture. Praise God. All right, John chapter 20. Are you there? Let's start in verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, this is after he was raised from the dead, and he stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so now I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again... With his disciples, Jesus came in, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And he said to Thomas, Go ahead, reach your finger, behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed, but blessed and powered to prosper are those who have not seen, but yet they have what? Believes. So here we see basically Jesus appeared to the disciples here after he was raised from the dead. Thomas was not there, and they told him that Jesus was alive, and he appeared to us. In verse 25, Thomas made a decision. He said, unless I see, unless I feel, put my finger and touch, I will not believe. Say, I will not now, we know will is not really part of your spirit. It's part of your soul. Your mind, will, and emotions are in your soul. So he made a soulish decision based on his feelings and what he saw and didn't see, basically to make a decision that I will not believe unless I 
see him, basically. How many know he could have said, well, I wasn't here, but I believe that anyway. How many know he had that choice to do that? But he didn't do it. He said, I will not believe. And this is the way we are sometimes too, and people in the church, unless the pain goes away, I will not believe that I am healed. Unless the money shows up, my husband straightens up, I will not believe. But notice, it's your believing that allows God's power to get in doing the, bringing the money and the straightening up of your husband. Are you following me? So you want to get in agreement with the word of God. It's not based on what you see. It's based on what God has already said. Now look at verse 27. Jesus said, go ahead, reach your finger, behold my hands, reach into your hand, trust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. So what does Jesus call a person who's faithless? He calls a person who needs to see, needs to feel, needs to touch in order to believe something. If you need to see, touch, feel in order for something, basically, then you're not believing. In other words, if you need physical evidence to believe a spiritual truth, you are faithless. And the Word of God is true. The Word of God has said you're healed. The Word of God has said you're anointed. Well, I don't feel like I'm anointed. Well, if your feelings have nothing to do with faith and believing God. I just don't feel like I'm anointed. When are you going to believe you're anointed? When I feel like I'm anointed. When I get a goosebump. When I feel something extraordinary. Then I will believe. If you've got to wait till you feel something, according to this verse, you are faithless. Look at verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have believed. Say, not seen, not seen. but believed. believed. So here, basically, believing was based on what he saw. And Jesus said, that's not the way to do it. The blessedness or the empowerment to prosper or the receiving from the kingdom of God comes basically when you believe the word above the natural realm. That is when I can get involved in your life. The blessing comes through faith in the word of God. Every time he teaches, people say, well, I just have trouble with that. Well, how many of you here tonight believe in hell? How many of you? Anybody believe in hell? How many of you have been there? How many believe in heaven? How many of you have been there? See, you believe that. You've never seen it, but you'll believe it. Why is that? Because the Bible has told you there's a heaven and there's a hell. How many of you believe in angels? See, we get all excited. We say, oh, there was a great meeting over there, and I saw an angel. Well, big deal. You should have been seeing angels in your heart before that and knowing they're around before you actually saw one. Do you see? We magnify what we see rather than what we believe. And by magnifying what we see, basically we're not walking by faith. But when you magnify what you believe, that's why you can get up feeling like absolute junk and come up in front of the church and say, I just want to praise God that I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Look, there, and everybody say, sit down. My God. What's the matter with you? But they're believing the word. Come on, and you're waiting to see something in order to believe. So what are you? Basically, according to Jesus, you're faithless. But blessed are those and empowered to prosper are those who have not seen, but yet they have believed. So I made a determination in my life. If the word says it, I'm going to believe it whether I look like it or not, whether I feel like it or not, whether you think I am or not, really doesn't make any difference because the word of God has already said it in the Word of God. Are you following me? And, and this works in every area of your life. Somebody comes up and you start to get offended. I don't get offended. Why? Because the Bible tells me I don't have to get offended anymore and I don't get offended and that's all there is to it. Does your feelings feel like getting offended? Oh, yeah. Do your emotions want to say, oh, just lambaste them. Give them a good piece of your mind and that you can't spare anyway. Praise God. Throw it out there. But it doesn't work that way. Do you see? That's not what we do in the kingdom. We're going to obey the Word of God. That's what we do. Praise God. We stay in peace. Notice, Jesus came to them twice and said, First thing he said was, peace be unto you. Why do you think that he said that? You think because they were sitting there in peace? No, they were arguing and fighting over whether Jesus appeared or not or whether he came or not. And Thomas was one place and they were the other and they were arguing back and forth. Jesus said, oh my God, peace. <laughs> you notice he didn't show up and say, this is terrible. You guys live in strife. This is, no. He spoke the word of God and said, peace, dear peace. Oh my God, peace. See? And these other disciples, when you figure it out, the only reason why they believed Jesus was raised from the dead is because they saw him. So really, they were faithless too. They weren't believing just because Jesus prophesied it three times before he went to the cross that he was going to be raised from the dead. If they just said, oh, I knew you were going to be raised, praise God, because you said it three. They didn't do that. Oh, there he is. Oh, now I got a bunch of faith. No, you really got no faith. It don't take any faith to believe what you see. It takes faith to see what the word of God has said about your life and in your life. Praise God. All right, go to Mark 16.
I mean, God speaks something to people's hearts sometimes as, hey, you're going to prosper and you're going to have a, you're going to have a bunch of money to sow into the kingdom of God. And a week later, they're saying, well, that wasn't any good. That wasn't any good. I haven't seen any money come in yet, praise God. Well, why don't you believe it for about a year and then see if it doesn't manifest? Are you following me? The believing comes first rather than the seeing. It's easy to testify something you saw, praise God. All right, Mark 16, look at verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall do what? Follow, follow who? Follow. Not them that see, but them that what? Believe. believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, if you're going to wait to lay hands on someone to get them healed before you believe that you can do that, then you're faithless. But if you believe based on the Word of God that if I lay hands on the sick, they recover, praise God, and you just do it because that's what you believe and walk away believing that, I mean, there's a lot better chance of that person getting healed than if you go ahead and faithless because most of the time they're faithless to the begin with. So notice, these signs will follow them that believe. Today's church wants to believe basically second. They want to see, then believe. They don't want to believe, then see based on the Word of God. So today's church believes, results, supernatural signs follow, but most want to see signs and wonders and then believe. But the believing is before the seeing, not after the seeing. And how many of you know signs and wonders don't produce faith? The Bible never says that. It may get you excited. You may say, woohoo, whoopee-doo, and all that. But basically, faith comes by hearing and hearing the, the Word of God. It's by spending time in the Word of God, praise God, is when faith comes to produce signs and wonders and miracles. And the problem with revival is every time revival breaks out, people go to revival trying to see something so they can believe something and their faithlessness drowns out the faith that started the revival and the revival goes, Psst. do you understand? Oh, let's go to the revival. Why? Because we might see an angel or we might see something or we might see this and then we can believe, you know, the power of God's there. If people are falling down in the spirit. No, you should believe the power of God's there as soon as you walked in because you've got the power of God on the inside of you. So people come wanting to see something rather than to add their believing to the believing going on and expecting sign wonders and miracles to follow them at that time. So basically, you're, you can operate in either kind of faith. There's two kinds. One kind of faith is faith in the word, period. The other one is faith in what you see, what you feel, what happens in your life, what's going on. You put faith in that. You used to sing a song, what was it? It was, this I'll testify until I see it with my eyes. That's the way it is. They were testifying the Word of God before they saw it with their eyes. They were not waiting to see it before they testify of it. And 99% of the testimonies, getting off base here a little bit, 99% of the testimonies you hear in church are by something that's already been seen or happened. Am I right or wrong? You never see anybody get up who basically stone broke and say, praise God, it's just so good because I'm going to prosper. I'm prospering, praise God, because Jesus said so. And walk back to your seat with holes in your pants and no money and everything else. And what are they doing? They're believing God. Only when we get a breakthrough do we testify. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's easy to testify when it happens, but it's your testifying before that causes it to happen because it gets God involved with your testimony. Are you following me? Who was the one? Enoch. Before he was taken, he had this testimony. I please God. He just walked around, I please God. Everybody said, nobody's pleasing God right now. Oh, I'm pleasing God. No, Abraham made a mistake. We're all sinners. I please God. No, you ain't pleasing God. Yes, I do. I please God. And all once he disappeared, how many know then they wondered? How many know they wondered whether he pleased God or not then because he disappeared? And they hunted for him, the Bible says, and never did find him. He was gone, praise God. But his testimony before that, he wasn't when God took him saying, I please God. No, he did it beforehand. So your testimony beforehand lined up with the word is what releases the anointing on the inside of you and gives you the opportunity to walk in the things that God wants you to walk in. Hallelujah. All right, go to John chapter 6. All right, are you at John chapter 6? Good, go back to John chapter 4 first. You should be pretty close to it. 
All right, John chapter 4, look at verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What was he telling the guy? Once again, you had to see your son healed before you would believe that your son is healed. And that's not hooked up with faith. That's basically faithlessness. So we see signs and wonders, basically, if you have to see them first, basically, he would not believe. So he was basically like Thomas, wasn't he? The same way. All right, go back up to John chapter 6 now. All right, John chapter 6, look at verse 28. It says, Then they said unto Jesus, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? How many of you would like to work the works of God? Wouldn't we all like to work the works of God? Praise God. Look at verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto him, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. They said, therefore, unto him, well, what sign can you show us then that we may see and believe? What, that, what does thou worketh? Now, he just told them. Did he, not, did he not answer their question? The question was, what do we have to do to do the works of God? They said, he says, you just got to believe. And they said, well, what sign can you show us so we can believe? He was a very patient man. How many of you know that? So he, didn't, he answered their question and basically said, this is your problem. You want to see it and the works of God and then believe the works of God. If you just believe in the works of God, then you will see the works of God. See, a move in a church is not because of a man. He has something to do with it. He's got to allow it to happen. But a move of God in a church are people who are believing that there's the move of God taking place in that church, not waiting until it happens and say, move of God, move of God, move of God. No, we could have revival every single church service if we wanted to. We could lay on hands and everybody over the tongue. But I want one when God wants one. I want one when the people are ready for one. I don't want to feed people who are not ready. I don't want to take the anointing and throw it on people who don't even want the anointing. So basically, what do we do? We wait and we see and we teach and we wait and we see, and we teach, and we build people's faith until at once they see and get stirred up on the inside. And when a few people get stirred up on the inside, and then things start to happen, and some people who aren't stirred up wonder if they're crazy, and the other people who are stirred up catch on fire, and pretty soon you've got to fight in your own church because some people love what's going on and some people don't. And so th that's the way it works. Are you following me? That's the way this kind of church works. Other churches just show up. You don't have to, you don't have to guess at anything. They're going to have their sermon at 8.15. It's going to be 15 minutes to 8.30. They're going to leave you go home, and that's going to be all there to it. But a church like this is different. And you've got people who are going to, some get mad, some get glad. But it's nothing to get upset about, nothing to get over bent out of shape about. Hallelujah. Go to Matthew chapter 8. Being pulled in 42 directions tonight. And another way while you brought it up <laughs> is that the move of God really takes place in a church by the Spirit of God is when people come into one mind over the Word of God. And let me tell you something right now. It's very hard to do that when people are not coming on Wednesday night. And I'm not condemning them or anything. I'm just saying if people's minds are being renewed, it takes more than Sunday morning's half hour to line up with the pastor's vision and what he's teaching and what he's trying to do. And once a week isn't enough. When, when you have more people are hearing it twice a week, I mean, no, twice a week, then they come into more one heart, one unity, one thing, and there's, it's easier for the Holy Spirit to do something because people have heard the same thing. So that's why, in a, in a way, we struggle a little bit because in the early days, we had as many people on Wednesday nights as we did on Sundays most of the time. 
I mean, the place was filled up. It was packed. People were coming in. People were hearing the word. Now, we're in a different time frame, of course. We're 15, 17 years different. What the difference is about the word of God, I don't know if everybody wants the feely stuff or the exciting stuff or the whatever stuff, but it's the word of God that produces everything that you'll ever need in your life, and it's the thing that produces the revival in your life and in my life and in the Bible, and basically in a body of believers come into unity in one thing. You know, basically, we've been talking a little bit about sanctification now for four weeks, even though it doesn't, it came from different angles. Well, you guys have heard more than anybody else who hasn't heard more on Sunday. So someone on Sunday say, that's good, that's good. We well, already heard that on Wednesday night. And not only it's good for you, but it's better than good because you heard it one time. See, he builds precept upon precept, line upon line. It's not just you come to one service, you get it all and you leave. There's a building block that takes place in a church and continues to build and continues to build and continues to build. And basically, like I say, Wednesday nights to me are important nights because there's more word on Wednesday nights most of the time than there is on Sunday mornings, basically. And what's that doing is bring people into one mind, into one heart, same way financially. When he preaches on finances, you know, people who don't come on Wednesday night don't even get that. Because we don't do that on Sunday. So, so if you want an explosion in the finances of the church and the finances of the people there, there's no unity there because nobody's coming on Wednesday night to hear the finances but 12 people, and those 12 people are in unity, but nobody else is. Are you following me? Everybody thinks it's all up to, it's all up to you. No, it's not all up to me. I figured that out, praise God. Don't put that on me, and you ain't going to put it on me anymore, see? I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I know what I'm going to do, but then it's up to the people out here who are going to cooperate with it or not cooperate. Revival breaks out, great. If it don't, I'm not going to lay down and cry the rest of my life because it didn't break out. Do you understand? So basically, it's in our own hearts. It's in our own ways. It's in our own. We need to be lit up when we come in here on Sunday morning. We shouldn't be drugging here to just try to, because you need a mouth to mouth from the Holy Ghost because you're dying from the whole week. It shouldn't be that way, see? Because there's a pull then of the anointing in that area, basically. And God wants to help people, but he wants people to, you know, be ready, be rose up, be excited, be on fire, do things. Now, leave me alone, praise God. Matthew chapter 8. All right, Matthew chapter 8, look at verse, oh, where can we go? Look at verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and try to heal him. I'll do my best. I'll just give it a shot. No, I will come and heal him. He was pretty, pretty blunt, wasn't he? Centurion answered and said, Lord, guess what? I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, he goes, another come, he comes, and do this, and he does this. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed him, my gosh, verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So now he's talking about great faith. What is great faith? Great faith is knowing when Jesus said that you're healed, you don't have to have 14 people walk to your house. You don't have Jesus have to come to your house. You don't have to see Jesus come to your house. He just simply took the word of God and said, when you said, I will come and heal him, it's pretty much done at this point. No sense coming to my house because you spoke it. I believe your word and it is over with right now. My son's getting up. I don't see him getting up. I don't see him feeling any better. But bless God, I know what's going on because you spoke, I will come and heal him, praise God. And what did he call it? Great faith, praise God. Hallelujah. Look at verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, yeah, go ahead and go your way. As you have believed, it's done. Now, how many know, I'll tell you, if my kid was in a place where he was about ready to die and Jesus was there, I'd want to drag Jesus with me. I'll just be honest with you. Wouldn't you? You want to take him? You want him? Here he is, Jesus. Get him. You don't want to hear him say, go your way, he's healed. How do I know he's healed? Because I said so. Is he doing better? Well, we got cell phones now. We could call, couldn't we? How's it doing? Any better? See? But this guy had such faith in what Jesus said, he didn't have to come to his house. He didn't have to see him lay hands. He didn't have to. Now, there's other ones where, where a father told him to come and lay hands on his daughter, and she would be healed. But that's where his faith was at. So what did Jesus do? He met that, didn't he? So it's not that you've got to have all-out perfect faith. It's just that you've got to have a word of God that you can stand on, that Jesus can meet you with, and the anointing can release out of your life to cause things to come to pass in your life. Praise God. All right, go to First John chapter 1. we don't get through this, just um, make up an answer to any question on the thing tonight. Praise God. Don't worry about it. 
All right, First John chapter 1, look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with our Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This tells you right here about the early church. The early church really never had that much faith in Jesus. They had sense knowledge faith. They walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they listened to his sermons, they did all these things. Basically, because they were around him, they believed in him. Are you following me? But then he says, we're going to tell other people about this, and how many know your faith has to be stronger than their faith, because Jesus never showed up on Sunday morning to preach to you. Are you following me? You've never seen him. You have to believe based on their eye account that Jesus exists, that Jesus walked on the earth, that Jesus did all things. Even though you didn't see it, I believe that's why Paul was picked to write most of the New Testament because he was forth to do everything by faith because he never saw Jesus. See, all the other disciples walked with him, been with him. We've seen him, we've heard him. So their faith was pretty easy to have, whatever kind of faith they had. But now he says there's going to be a different kind of faith coming up basically before. And that's why a lot of Christians, you know, who don't know the word of God are constantly trying to bargain with God and, and condition with God in their prayer life and everything else because their senses in the natural realm will fight against you to try to get you into unbelief and keep you into unbelief. People say, I don't feel like God heard my prayer. I prayed, but I just don't think God heard my prayer. Well, the Bible says if you pray in line with his will, you know that he hears you. So as long as I'm praying for something that I know is in the word of God in line with his will, I don't have to wonder if he heard me. He already said he heard me if I do that. Are you following me? So I prayed, but I don't know if he heard me. I prayed, I don't know. What'd you pray? I prayed for two wives. He didn't. See, he didn't hear you. Well, I prayed for somebody to be healed. My God, I know he heard you. I know he heard me. When I'm praying for people to get saved, I don't have to question whether he heard me or not. The Bible says he wants all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. You don't have to question what he's doing. So I want to pray in line with him and pray knowing that I'm getting something done because I know what he said and I know that he heard me. Praise God. Well, I don't feel like the Holy Ghost is in me. You preach that all the time, but I just don't feel like the Holy Ghost is on the inside of me. Well, the Bible says he's on the inside of you and that's where he is and he's there. Praise God. Whether you believe it or not, he's there. Now, he may not do a whole lot in your life because you don't even believe he's there, but the more you believe he's there, the more he's going to do. I don't know if God loves me or not. I just don't know. He just, he don't love me. All these bad things keep happening. Well, if you realize how much he loves you and get in the word of God and start cooperating with him, many of the bad things in your life would probably go away because many of the bad things in your life are because of you. Well, God doesn't love me. No, you're stupid. Come on. The Bible says, how are people destroyed? Lack of knowledge, ignorance. Another word for that is they just don't understand it. What do they understand? They understand the word of God, and so they're still fighting in their natural mind of what to do, their senses, and what they, oh, if I could just see Jesus, I'd believe in him. If I could just feel the Holy Ghost one time, I would believe it, and, and that's fine. And God, I'll tell you, in the beginning, God will help you with that. Do you know that? I mean, if the Holy Ghost come all over you, the first time the Spirit of God came all over me and my hair stood up for like three days, I didn't really know what was going on at the time, but it told me, and then when the Holy Ghost hair on my arms wasn't standing up anymore, I wondered where he went. I don't know where he went. And then the devil will come in. Oh, you sinned. And then you start checking for sin. My God, you dig deep enough, you'll find something. Let's see, I didn't pick up the paper on time. I didn't, almost ran out of gas. It had to be something there. And then you're going into guilt, then you're going into combination, then you're not praying anyway because you know God left you and he's mad at you anyway. And pretty soon you're backslidden out there in the world, not doing anything, simply because you didn't know enough to believe the word of God to begin with, that God loves you un conditionally, praise God. People make a mistake and, oh, my God, my God. God's not doing that. He's not going to fall off his throne for something you do wrong. He's seen it all. See? He loves you anyway. He loves you unconditionally. So all these things we need to know and we need to make our mind that way to stay out of guilt, to stay out of condemnation, to stay out of offense, to stay out of unforgiveness, to stay out of weakness. We can do that basically by renewing our mind on the Word of God, but it has to be renewed by knowing what the Word says and doing what the Word says. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5.
All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse Look at verse 7. It says as kingdom citizens we walk by faith and not by so this tells you how you're going to walk every single day. You're going to walk by the Word of God, what the Word of God tells you in every situation, every circumstance of your life. You're not going to walk by what you see or what you feel or what you hear. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need your senses. How many of you know I'm not saying that? I mean, if you walk out in the middle of a road and a truck's coming and you see it, believe it's there and get out of the way. You need your senses. Don't pray in the Holy Ghost for 20 minutes to make, see if it's going to hit you or not. But I'm saying when something comes anti Word of God, then the Word of God rules over your senses. Are you following me? And this knowledge that we get from the Word of God, it's spiritual knowledge. It's revelation knowledge. It's knowledge of things that we do not see, basically. And what it does is renews our mind. So we want to walk by faith. Say walk by faith. Now, no, this is a walk. Every single day walk. It's not Sunday by faith. It's not Wednesday by faith. It's every single day. And you're not running by faith. You are walking by faith because you run into a situation in a circumstance every single day you're going to continue to do that and you deal with it by faith not by how you feel not by your emotions or not by what's going on in someone else's life all right go to ephesians chapter 6 All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? Which is what? So the Word of God here is called the sword of what? Notice it's not the sword of the natural. It's a sword of spiritual things. It is a spiritual thing, and it is your weapon. What's it for? Combating demons and disease and things in the natural realm that do not line up with the things of God. What do I use? The Word of God. It's the sword of the recreated spirit. The man who walks by faith or walks in the kingdom requires no evidence in anything but the Word of God. You don't need the Word of God in a feeling. You don't need the Word of God in a breakthrough. You just need the Word of God, which will cause a breakthrough in your life. People waiting for a breakthrough. If I just had a breakthrough, if I had, most of the time they don't even know that they've already broke through. Come on, that was a cliche that was years ago. Everybody needs a breakthrough. I'm just so down and depressed. Ah, uh, I'm breakthrough. Well, the Bible says if you praise the Lord with all your heart, basically the dead enemy will run away from you and you won't be depressed anymore. So instead of waiting for a breakthrough, why not break it through? He just obeyed what the Word of God says. I will praise the Lord at all times, praise God. What's going to happen? The heaviness is going to leave me when I worship and I praise Him. So if heaviness starts to come on me, I praise and worship God, and basically the devil goes away. I don't wait for God to do something in that area. He's already told me what to do in that area. But if my mind doesn't understand what to do or what not to do, then it will not do it in that situation. So we need to come to a place, and we're going to, basically we're walk by faith where the Word is enough evidence for each and every one of us. It doesn't require any physical feeling, any physical touch, anything to happen in the physical realm. We just believe the Word of God. The Scripture, surely, for sure, absolutely, He has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases, and with His stripes we are healed. Now, that's something we've got to settle in our lives. That's probably one of the toughest ones because when something comes against your flesh that doesn't feel like you're healed, what you do right off the bat will tell where you're at. See? It's coming against your soul. What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to believe? What do, you, do you believe you are healed in spite of that feeling or are you going to wait till that feeling goes away to believe it? And it's very hard even when you run healing services because a lot of times when you lay hands on a sick person and, and God moves on them and basically you'll say, are you healed? And they'll say, yes. And you'll say, why? And they'll say, because the pain is gone. Well, that's good because that's the only reason that you believe you're healed. When you get up Monday morning and the pain comes back, guess what? You're going to believe you're sick again. Do you see what I mean? So basically, the reason why you got healed is because the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Well, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You lay hands on me and I'm healed. And you wake up the next morning, you say, oh, no, devil, I'm healed. Why? They laid hands on me Sunday morning and praise God, I am healed. That's what the word of God says. You feel any better? No. Praise God. And it gets a little worse the second day and say, glory to God, it's so good to be healed. I'm telling you right now, praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good. What am I doing? I'm staying on the word. I'm fighting the battle. There's a battle going on in my life and I want to take the word of God and I want 
want to cling to that word of God and I want to hang on to that word of God, basically, because it's the truth. Say the truth. It's a spiritual truth, basically, but there's natural things that will come against you. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon because he cares for me. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying this morning because I'm so worried. I'm just so worried about everything going on in my life. I'm just worried, 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 worried. Now, what do you want him to do about it? See, Lord, hey, your problem. You learn this by being a minister. Lord, that lady, you got a problem. That man, you got a problem. You show me how to do with it or you deal with it. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'll pray and you can get in their hearts and you be moved by the Holy Ghost or whatever. Not my problem, praise God. See, everybody wants to take everybody's stuff on, praise God. Everybody's anxieties, everybody's worries. You can't even handle your own. There's enough of your own worries, praise God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to cast my care upon him. I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I'm going to make my request be known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding is going to guard my... Are you following me? So I'm just going to obey what the Word of God does, and I'm going to thank him for the peace that's in my heart. Basically, I don't want to get over into sense, knowledge, faith, because that always demands a feeling. It demands a change until... I believe the change. In other words, I've got to see the change. Then once I'm this great faith person, it doesn't work that way. It's basically the faith or the believing precedes it. Hallelujah. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And the thing with God, when you start walking with him and you start doing this stuff, many times he'll tell you what to do without telling you what's going to happen. And that, that's no good there. That's tough. I'd rather have him say, hey, go here. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. But it doesn't. Sometimes he just says, go here. And you say, what for? And he says, go there, and I'll tell you. And you say, I'd rather, tell you, I'd rather have you tell me first. You know, the Bible says Abraham was told to leave his land and go to another land. Leave all his relatives and everybody. Go to another land. Abraham said, okay. Because his relatives, you know, probably, I'm going to another land. His relative says, what for? I don't know. You're leaving all of us. I know. Well, what are you going to do there? I don't know. Don't know anything, see? But he still obeyed God step by step, see, walking by faith, going to the next step, going to the next Sure, it'd be easier, wouldn't it? It'd been easier, you know, 21 years ago if God would have said, hey, 21 years from now, you're still going to be preaching to a bunch of fired up people. The word of God's going to be alive in everybody. You're going to all have your own building. Everything's going to be... It would have been easy to say, I'll start a church. But when you start a church in a holiday inn that you're renting with very little money and very little people, praise God, it doesn't look quite as good as it's going to be. Hallelujah. See? So sometimes it's a step-by-step walk, isn't it? It's a step-by-step every single day. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 3, and here's the battle. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're casting down imaginations every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we're bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here it's talking about thoughts and imaginations that come up in your mind. The devil attacks your mind. He comes at you with thoughts. He comes at you with anti-word, anti-God thoughts. Why? So you start to see them in your imagination. When you start to see them in your imagination, you've got to make some adjustments immediately. You can't let it get that far. And this happens a lot, once again, in the, in the sickness world because doctors basically will always seem to give you the worst prognosis. And they're just covering themselves. I understand that. You know, well, you have a lump there, but it doesn't look like anything, but there's a chance it may be something. And if it is something, we're going to have to chop it out of there, and then we'll send it in and check it out. And boy, if it's cancer, you're in big, big trouble. Now, we're not saying it is, but it could be that. By the time you leave there, you're going, oh, my God, I'm dying. <laughs> See, but once again, they're covering themselves. How many of you know that? That's what they have to do, basically like that. But what happens when that comes in your life? What do you, how do you leave that place? How do you go? It, it all depends on what's going on right up here, because you know there's going to be an onslaught. I mean, World War Four is just about to start right up here, praise God. There's going to be all kind of, you're going to see yourself in the casket with a flower on your chest. <laughs> Then depression sets in, then everything else sets in, then self-pity sets in and all this stuff. See how it runs that way? But it had to get in your imagination first. Now, if you're already conditioned on the Word of God and you just say, praise God, I'll just put my hands on that stupid thing and tell it to leave me in Jesus' name and it'll go and I don't care what it is or whatever. You walk out of there and you just keep right on going. That's why we really need some stable Christians. 
hard for me to even say that sometimes. We need some stable Christians who stay stable no matter what's going on in your life. Whatever's happening in your life, it doesn't have to affect you. It doesn't have to worry you. It doesn't have to throw you off. It doesn't have to make you mad. It doesn't have to anger you. It doesn't have to upset you. You can just be who you are, you know, the way it is. You don't have to get bent out of shape. You don't lose it because your feelings and emotions want to bang you around, man. And there's nothing more exhausting than feelings and emotions, man. They will wear you out. They're worse than the devil half the time, praise God, because you've got to live with them. You can at least get rid of the devil for a little bit. But you've got feelings and emotions. So what happens here? Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, anything that comes up, basically that sense evidence that's against the word of God, I'm going to use my authority and I'm going to speak to that thing and I'm going to run it out of my mind in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And this battle goes on every single day. So I'm not going to be swayed by what's going on over here. I'm not going to be swayed by what's going on in the government. I mean, I'm aware of it, but I'm not so deep into it that it's driving me crazy or making me upset or burning me out or anything. No, I just want to stay on an even keel. I want to follow what the Bible does. I want to stay in the Word of God. I want to approach God with a good heart and good mind. I mean, prayer works better if you don't go into God panicking. See? It says, come boldly to the throne and obtain, not come and complain. And most Christians come boldly to the throne and complain. This is what's going on. That's what's going on. Well, you need to find a word to cover what's going on. Then use that word in your prayer time to to blast out, you know, like those little video games they got. Uh, Up comes a financial problem, and you find, uh, meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. Father, I thank you. I just come to you this morning, meets all my Blow that thing right out of there. Praise God. So I'm taking the word of God back to him and saying, and my, my best thing is you said. I like that one. Hey. You said that you were going to do this, and now it don't look like you're doing it, but you're going to do it because you said so, and you don't have a choice. And he says, oh, I was hoping somebody would say that. I'm hoping somebody would put the pressure on me to carry out what wants to be done, praise God. He likes that kind of stuff, glory to God. Why? Because he wants to answer prayer. He wants to get involved in our relationships. He wants to do it, but he's not going to do it. Oh, God, it's just so terrible. Everything's gone bad. My husband, my wife, I can't. I mean, he probably goes, oh, Jesus. And because he's so almighty, he probably just goes right in there anyway. He can't do nothing. His fingers can't even stop it. But that's not what we go there for. See, we're going there with the word of God in our mouth. We're going by faith. We're going as kingdom citizens. We're going to claim and take care of what belongs to us in the kingdom of God that's already been given to each and every one of us. And we're claiming that authority, and we're claiming that power, and we're claiming that situation. We're claiming that area, praise God. And we do that, then he can get involved, praise God. All right, go to Psalm 23. Ted, for many years, in my first few years of uh, being in the ministry and stuff, he'd always hear about this going on in church or that going on in church, and he'd always come up to me and say, ain't it great to be a pastor, ain't it great? And I always say, if you're called to be one, it is. And that would stop it right there, praise God, see? Because he thought that everything going bad was going to affect me, and it wasn't affecting me whatsoever, praise God. If I'm called to do it, I don't have a problem with it. I've got the anointing to handle it. I know how to handle the situation. I'm just going to stay in the Word of God and do that. So if you're not called to be a pastor, it wouldn't be so great. I go along with that. It wouldn't be so great to be a pastor, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, Psalm 23. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How I many you know there's a lot of promises in there that God puts right there, praise God? People say, well, I'll never have enough. I'll never. No, the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. But we never have enough. Well, if you agree with him that he's your shepherd, and you shall not want, you won't have that problem anymore, praise God, because God's already stated that he'll take care of you, and he'll do it. Well, what happens when I walk through the shadow of the valley of death? Well, I'll fear no evil. But that's going to happen. I fear no evil. 
But that's going to happen. And everybody gets afraid and fears. And then they want to go to God. No, they fear no evil. Why? Because you don't have to fear any evil because of who you are and who he's made you in the kingdom of God. Everything's going around you. Everything's falling apart. It don't matter why. Because I lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's a good verse there. You know, look at that every now and then. You probably never saw it. But all right, go to Mark chapter 11. The Word of God, I'll tell you, it is so rich and so wonderful. And so if you just let it take over your life rather than you taking over your life, you'd be a lot better off, praise God. The Word of God. God knows what He's doing, praise God. That's why He gave us this book, so we'd figure out how to, how to do things, you know. Glory to God. And the thing is, the best part about it is we've got Google now, you know. You know, she wanted me to fix a drawer today, and it's one of these drawers you pull out, and I didn't know how to get the thing out of there. I could try to pull it, try to bend it, try to do everything. So what did I do? I Googled it. <laughs> Told me exactly how to get it out of there, and I got it out of there. So every time a problem comes in my life, I go to the Word of God, and I Google it. <laughs> and the best thing is, if you can think, now there's a scripture that deals with that. I can remember a couple words of it. Just Google it. Yeah. And the whole scripture will come up in 42 different translations, tell you exactly what it means and how to use it, for God's sakes. <laughs> See, it actually, believe it or not, your phone's more for more than Facebook. Yes. See, it works. You can just put in a couple words and bang, there the thing is every single time. If you're looking up a scripture, I use it all the time when I'm doing a, a study or getting ready for Sunday and there's a couple other scriptures I can't quite remember where they're at. And rather than spend, you know, sometimes you look and you look, you just put a couple things up, shoots right up there and there the thing is. So praise God. And that's what we want to do. What happened? Well, this is going on in my life. What does Google, what does God say about it? Oh, he just told me to love him. <laughs> my gosh. I was hoping it'd say shoot him, kill him, stab him, or kick him. But it says love him. <laughs> I should have known that. See? It's very easy. You just do what the Word of God says in every situation. I'll tell you what, that's what God does. He probably obeys his own word. So he's following the Word of God in his own life, and it's working, praise God. All right, Mark chapter 11. Look at verse 23. Well, I'll go back to verse 22. And Jesus answering unto them says, Have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Well, what is the God kind of faith? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall what? So whenever I pray, I need to believe that I have what? And then I will what? So every time I pray or every time I'm talking to God and I'm going for something that I know is His will, I have to believe that I have and I will. Notice, it doesn't say you will have them, then you can believe that you receive them. Praise God, hallelujah. No, it's not that way. The believing comes first. The receiving comes second. How can I believe that it's going to happen? I can believe it's going to happen basically because he's already said it in his word. He's already given that to us. He's already, he handed that to us. It's what he's given us. And how many know that sometimes when you pray for something to believe, your mind wants to slide back after a short period of time. See, it sounded like a good idea. I was in the anointing on Sunday and I prayed and oh, I know God's going to do it for me. I know I, my prayer is answered and I'm done and it, hallelujah, it's mine. And Monday comes and praise God. Tuesday comes, glory. Wednesday comes, glory. Thursday comes, praise God. Friday comes, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because we're on a timetable a lot of times and it doesn't come on our timetable. And a lot of people have done that already. They've set a timetable. When it didn't come, they threw their faith down. Well, that was stupid. Why not just hang in there? Just stay in faith. There is no timetable on this stuff. But most of the timetable we're trying to get already belongs to us. And we're not waiting on the thing. We're waiting on the revelation that we have the thing. And when the revelation comes off in our mind, then it belongs to us. And then nobody can talk you out of it. See, nobody can talk me out of whether I'm anointed or not. I know I'm anointed. The Bible says I am. I act in my anointing. People say, well, uh, you're never going to get revelation again. I get revelation when I, when I read the, the maps. <laughs> you understand? Because God's promised me revelation. So I, I expect to get revelation. I go, oh, please reveal something to me this day. Where do I want to go? <laughs> See, 
God's speaking to me right there. Hallelujah. It doesn't do that way. You've got to read in succession because most of this stuff, and when you read chapters, are about one thing. We pull the scripture out, and that's fine sometimes when we need it, but most of them are about one complete thought that he's trying to get over to you, and you'll never get the revelation of that until you read the whole thing that part of it together because from start to finish he's trying to teach you on that and get it into your life so just jerking one scripture out of the middle of it and doing it it's not going to give you the revelation it's going to help you in a time of trouble because you're pulling something out of there but that's not exactly what he wants so we've got to be careful that we don't fall back all right one more hebrews chapter 10 just helping you tonight All right, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, Now the just or the righteous or the kingdom people, they shall live by what? But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So here it says that you can live by faith, but there's times when you will draw back and I believe this is with everybody, at times when we're, when we're not thinking the right way or in the right situation, we draw back off the Word of God. So what do I want to do? I want to stop, take a breath, regroup, remember what the Word of God is, and I want to use that then to combat what came into my life. If it's sickness, disease, hits your body, you say, oh my gosh, I don't feel very good today. I, you know, I don't know. Everybody's been sick. Man, I might be coming down with something. You got to stop. Whoa, whoa, I just drew back. No, the Bible says I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, and I walk into divine health. The Bible says I'm anointed. I'm going to. The Bible says I have the wisdom of God. That's fine. The Bible says my needs are met according to his riches and glory. Praise God. So I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to fret. And sometimes, and a lot of times, it's a combination of things. How many know if you're short of money, worry is the next thing that comes? Then fear is the next thing that comes. First of all, I'm short of money, and now I'm worried about the money, and now I'm afraid they're going to take my house, car, and everything else. And then pretty soon I see myself living on the street, cardboard boxes, trying to find something to eat. I mean, your imagination can go anywhere. How many of you know that? That's why you have to be in charge of your imagination and what you see that other people don't see that's behind your mind and your imagination. That's why the Bible tells you to meditate. Say meditate. Meditate, meditate on His Word day and night. What is that? It's to either think on or to mutter continuously the Word of God. So a lot of times, you know, when I'm in a, in a position where I've got this feeling or that feeling, I'll just spend the day, if I'm driving somewhere, saying I'm so good to be healed by, my, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. So good to be healed, I'm healed. Healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Thank God I'm healed. I'm healed, 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 healed. You say, what about finances? I don't need finances right now. I'm, I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. See, I'm going to apply pressure where I need pressure at that time because that's my name. It's a financial problem. Thank God my needs are met according to his riches and glory. Your needs aren't met. Oh, yes, they are. They're met. Praise God. And then you start answering in your own mind. You get a mind fight, praise God. But the Word of God will work every single time as long as you know the Word. But once again, you've got to know these, these promises, don't you? If you're going to put them to work, and then you've got to act on them, and you can live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, which is in the kingdom of God. Say hallelujah. Say, I am. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I believe the Word of the living God. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it in my life. I am what the Bible says I am, I can do. What the Bible says I can do, I'm positioned where the Bible says I'm positioned. So I've been raised, seated, far above all principality, power, might, fear, worry, sickness, doubt, unbelief, failure. I'm far above all of those. And I choose to live that way by using the sword of the Spirit to cut out all the stuff that needs cut out in my life. Holy Ghost, help me with this. Rise up on the inside of me. Correct me when I make a mistake. Straighten my confession back out. And I will live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost all the days of my life. All right, praise God.
Christ the King.